Ksuvas, Perkdalid, Mishnah Vav, 4 6. And now the Mishnah goes on to talk about various Tanai Ksuba, that is to say, conditions that are embedded into the Ksuba, the marriage agreement, which exist by force of Tanai Bezdin, the conditions that were set forth and established by the Sanhedrin. And they are binding sort of regardless of what the Ksuba says or doesn't say, or if there's no Ksuba at all. So the first topic here is the topic regarding the providing of Mizonos food for one's children. Now really, Midoraisa, the fact that a child is your child doesn't automatically bind you legally to have to feed them. Like, that's not an obligation that the, kicks in just because they have to be your child. Um, however, rabbinically, certainly, a person is obligated to provide food for his children. In the time of... And that's codified... Um, that if a person fails to provide food, the Bezin actually will essentially force him to provide for his children. But that only extends till the age of six years old. Uh, the assumption seems to be that in the time of the Mishnah, from six, after six years old, a child could, at least in theory, um, you know, survive on their own. Now, after six years old, um, there still is a rabbinic requirement to provide for one's children, but there's a difference. For the first six years, it's sort of an absolute rabbinic obligation, and if a person would refuse, the Bezid essentially would, you know, twist his arm until he provided for them. After six years old, so, again, while a person's obligated um, to provide for his children when they're still young and unmarried, etc., um, that obligation um, is not as firm, it's not built as Tanai Bezdin, it's, it's a rabbinic requirements to the extent that he can afford to do so. So if a father is failing to provide for his children, then the Bezin, while they wouldn't force him by twisting his arm quite literally, um, they would use other kinds of social pressure, we'll call it, to to um, shame him essentially if he doesn't do it. You know, saying, you know, even, even the birds provide for their kids, this guy's worse than a bird, etc. Um, now, that's true, assuming that the father, both those things, everything I said so far is true, if the father can't really afford to provide for his children. If he could afford it, and he's not doing it anyways, so then even if the child is over the sick, certainly the bezin would force him, um, because that just falls under the general category of staka. A person has an obligation to take care of the needy people around him, and uh, certainly his own members of his household come first. And if he has the wherewithal to provide for them, and he doesn't, so then even older than the six, I mean, the bezin will certainly force him to, to take care of them. Um... All that said, um, the question of our mission here wants to talk about specific tonight Ksuba, conditions that are embedded in the Ksuba regarding one's uh, sons and daughters that he has with a woman. Uh, these are two separate, um, like, clauses, if you will, in the Mishnah, and in the Ksuba, uh, I should say. And those are called, the clause regarding the sons is called Benin Dechren, which means male children, if you will. And the Clause regarding the daughters is called Banan Nukvan, which means the female children. The basic gist of the Benindichrin clause is that um, if a woman, if a, if a man has two wives, and uh, let's say his first wife predeceases him, so she dies, so he'll, everything that was promised her in the Ksuba now comes to him. Um, or doesn't pay, pay out to her, um, including things she brought into the family. So let's say, for example, she she had a family estate that she inherited from her grandfather, and now she dies. That does go to her husband. But when the husband dies, the Bedin Dichren clause, the boy offspring clause, says that 
the sole heirs of that asset, which she brought into the marriage, or all those things that she was promised um, in her ksuba, um, those things go to her children and not to her stepchildren, the children of the other wife. Okay, so so the family estate will pass exclusively to her own children, not be shared amongst all this husband's heirs. There's also a separate clause, um, that's the benan nukvan, the female offspring clause, and that says that after, as we'll see in the Mishnah, after he dies, so then um, while the sons may be the heirs to his estate, the estate must first provide um, for the daughters, the, the, his daughters, or her daughters, the wife's daughters, all the wife's daughters. So that being the case, um, they have first claim, and they're taken care of um, from the estate before the boys of anything. So that's called the Banan Nukvan. Now, the main point of our Mishnah is that the obligation of Banan Nukvan, the estate to be providing for the daughters, actually kicks in only after the husband is dead. While he's alive, he has the obligations to his children, as I described before, um, which after six years old is not so absolute like I described before. So that being the case, um, the Mishnah says, and this is now we're in, we're in Ksubis, um four six. Ha'av enochay b'mezonos bito. A father isn't strictly obligated to provide for the food for his daughter or his son. They're on equal footing. Again and again, like I repeat myself now, up to six year old, he actually is requ- required to. They'll bezel not force him. After six, um, if he can't afford it, then they only will pressure him. If he can't afford it, they actually would still force him to pay for the children. But the obligation, the absolute obligation to provide for the the children, um, daughters included, is is not um, after six years is not there. Now, what's the basis to confirm that? Well, so to understand that, the clause that ref- the the clause that supports the daughters, the Banan Nukvan clause in the Ksuba, reads Banan Nukvan. This is Aramaic, so I'll translate. Uh, I'll translate piece by piece. Banan Nukvan, the female offspring. De haven lechi minai that you, the wife, have from me. Yiyun yitzvan bebeisi they'll be authorized to be allowed to dwell in my house. U misanan menichsi and will be supported from my assets. Ad the nisvan leguvern until they get married to other men. Now, it's not explicit if this is referring to after he's dead or while he's alive. The other clause regarding the sons, the Benin clause, so that is more explicit referring to something that it kicks in after the father's death. It says, Benin as for the male offspring, the Yahavi Minai, that you have from me, again, he's writing it to this woman, his wife, Inun Yartun, they will inherit, Yartun like your shin, they inherit, Kesef Ksubasech, the money promised in your Ksuba, Yeser Al Da'im Acheon. More, and it's separate from, in addition to, what they'll inherit with their other brothers, meaning that these boys, her sons, inherit everything from her ksuba. That's explicit. It's an, it's a Yerusha. It's a happening that occurs after the father dies. And that being the case, the Mishnah uses an expression of, of darash, as if it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a drasha from a pasuk. Of course, these are words written in a ksuba, so it's not really a drasha in truth. But the presumption is the same way that the rabbis are writing, and the rabbis know how rabbis write. They know how rabbinic interpretation goes. So um, an inference can be drawn from the way it was written, the same way they would infer it from other 
you know, from a Torah text. And that being the case, and we'll have like a drasha, which essentially will say, um, because his clothes are put side by side, just as the son's benefits kick in only upon the death of the father, so too the daughter's benefits only kick in upon the death of the father. Now that, says the Mishnah, Ze Midrash Darash Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria, Lefnei Chacham Bekerem Biyavna. Um, this point that the girl's right to demand support only kicks in once the father's dead is based on like a quote-unquote quote, drasha that Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria made. Elazar ben Azaria, you recall, um, was uh, the young man who had the miracle. His hair went white, his beard went white, and he took over from Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel as the Nasi for a time in the early days of the new Sanhedrin, which convened in Yavne, outside of Yushalayim, right after the Chorban Beis Mikdash. So he's the one who's making this drasha, and he made the drasha before the Chachamim Bakerem Biyavna, in the, literally the vineyard in Yavne. This is referring to the yeshiva, the town of Yavne, which was saved by Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, um, in a special request to Vespasian, and and um, they convened outdoors, and they sat in rows, and the Rabbanan sitting in rows outdoors looked like they were kind of like, you know, planted grapevines. So therefore, the place in which they met outdoors, the Sanhedrin essentially was referred to as the Kerem, like a vineyard in Yavna. His rush was Habanim Yershu Vahabnos Yizonu. There's a commitment to have the sons inherit and the daughters to be provided food for. Mahabanim Einan Yorshin El Achar Mitzasav, just as the sons don't get their inheritance until and that obligation only, only kicks in after the father dies. Afa Banos, Simtu for the Banos, the daughters, and Nizonos El Achar Misasavian, the obligation, the strict obligation to provide food for the daughters only kicks in after the father dies.